Hey there, Zlatko here. Welcome to What Is My Brain podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I get the opportunity to chat with fellow founders and business operators about their journey and how they got to where they are now, where they are going and how they're going to get there. I'm planning on bringing guests and touching on topics such as running multiple businesses, executing ideas, and just spitballing about random topics and current events. It's a casual conversation, and that will hopefully bring value to anyone that decides to listen. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, awesome. Hi, Christine. Uh, again, thank you so much for, for jumping on the podcast. I'm, I'm really pumped to talk to you about... Um, you know, your overall journey and everything that you uh, kind of share on Twitter and what you've done. And, uh, you know, you, you you have a pretty long uh, record of, of doing some cool things. So I just want to give you the floor and maybe you can uh, introduce yourself a little bit better than I just did. But um, and, and then just kind of explain what you do, where you come from and, and all of that good stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I'd say I'm I'm a I guess what people would call a serial entrepreneur. Um, there we go. Yeah. Um, I My story, I guess, starts off as, and where my niche came from, is I grew up in a pretty violent, abusive household. And at the age of 14, I was promoted to head of my household, so both financially and emotionally. Um, I came wow. home one day, and my mom was in the same chair I had left in. And that day, I just became the head of the household. Um, wow. Although tragic, right? Sounds awful. One of the things that happened with that, though, is by the time I was 19, I was functioning like a proper 40-year-old. And so my career after that really started to cement itself on how much I could execute because that's what I became very good at. I got really good at chaos, getting through chaos, coming out on the other side, outworking, outdoing anybody else, right? Um, And through my career, I started off as a software engineer, moved into the executive roles. Um, I constantly was doing three or four people's job to try to prove my worth. Um, Shortly after that, I um, started my first company, which was a boutique consulting firm. Um, We came in and took over health insurances, um, large scale initiatives of like 50 million plus that were falling apart and like McKinsey and Deloitte had fucked them up. And then we'd come in and sweep the floor and turn them around. Um, so that was my first company. And then it sort of led the path to continuing building companies. So what I'm known for is building big businesses. So I spent a decade building businesses of over 200 million in revenue um, part of that came from being able to do a lot with a very small amount of time. So as much as my upbringing was terrible and I wouldn't wish that on anyone, it did, you know, I, I grew into a skill of how to be more effective really with what I was doing. So I said no to a lot more things than other people did or found other ways to do stuff. Eventually I got, you know, a strong skill from it. Um, And about a couple of years ago, I um, transitioned from building big businesses into where I would, you know, I'd build one big business at one time. And now I'm doing something where I'm a full-time CEO coach, full-time in my own sense. I work 20 hours a week running four businesses. One of them is being a CEO coach. Um, But I got really energized by running multiple small businesses 
And to me, a small business is, is doing under a hundred million in revenue. Um, lean teams, which is mm-hmm. sort of the crux or the, I think of a lot of companies fall apart because of that because they don't build lean and they, they think that the maturity of a company has to do with the revenue and the number of employees. And it's really how has this, what kind of machine did you build? You know, can right. it be repeatable? Can it scale without you? Can it scale with the most minimal number of people on the floor? And so that's what I got really good at. And I'm doing that now with multiple companies. Oh man, I love it. Uh, I have so many things I want to, <laughs> I want to tap into right there because, uh, I actually just came out of something very similar where uh, I'd grown a, a, a digital agency. Uh, you know, we focused mainly on Shopify stuff from in 2018 from like three people to last year was 22 people. And we just scaled all the way back down to five people. Mm-hmm. And we're still able to pretty much do the same amount of work that we can with 20. So I, I love that you said that because, uh, yeah, it was a very hard learning lesson. Let's just say that it's probably a, a story for another day, but, uh, it was, uh, it's, it's really refreshing actually right now. I'm kind of like getting refocused with the whole thing. And, um, so that, that's amazing that you say that. And then the other part of it is the, the small businesses, like there's always this notion and I'm sure you heard it. It's like focus on one thing and one thing only. And in my honest opinion, it sounds like you're kind of in the same wheelhouse. It's like, you can actually focus on multiple things if you know how to run your time, basically. Yeah, and I think it depends what kind of person you are. That's true. Very true. What you're building, right? I right. mean, when I was building a VC-backed company that had a big bet to be a billion-dollar company, my focus in the majority of my life was that business. Right. I mean, right. other things had to fall to the wayside. Those bets are not that big when you're building something that you know is going to, you know, at the where I want it to be is under $100 million, then you're like, I can do a couple of these now. The, right. the bet's not so high. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love that. Um, and so your your early years, it sounds like you kind of, like you said, you were at 19, you were basically a 40 year old in, in terms of mindset and how you were thinking. Um, what what nowadays when you're talking to different, you know, CEOs and your CEO coaching business and all that, um, are you experiencing a lot of people have kind of gone through the same thing? Or is it mostly, you know, people just have a much easier upbringing, and they need a little bit more, you know, guidance from that perspective? Because it sounds like you didn't have, you made your own guidance in a sense when it when it came to, you know, finding your mom in the same chair you left her in type of thing. Sounds like you kind of built your own little path. Yeah, I think I had to, right? It was survival yeah. at the time. Um, so um, I read a lot during those years and always. So I think some of the, it's kind of interesting when I talk to people about this, sometimes like yeah. the parenting that I got came from books. Um from fiction, frankly. I mean, wow. you know, hearing stories of and reading of just other families, how they did it, how they survived different mm-hmm. types of things. Um, so a lot of my values started to get, I guess, morphed through these books I was reading. I mean, I was, and it was nice because I could reflect on them and see, you know, I'm a 16 year old depressed not sure what's happening with all of this, but I don't have time to be depressed. I have to, I've got to make rent. I've got to figure stuff out. I'm still in school. I got to pick up my brothers and sisters. There's all these things. So reading these stories was inspiring, but also let me look at things in a very clear way to say, this is not the way this should operate. I'm unlucky at this time in my life, but there is, here are all these other stories or moments or you know, from other people that prove there's a different way to 
have a relationship, a different way to look at yourself. So I really grew up kind of with books in a very yeah. strange little way. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. What, what, what's the book that stood out to you that you really like, I guess, I don't want to say change, maybe changed you, but like what really stood out to you till this day that you would, if anyone's going through anything similar, obviously, that you would say you should, you should probably take a look at this book. I don't have a book for that. Like if someone's okay. going through something similar. I have a book that I read a lot, though, which was Alice in Wonderland. And okay. I read it over and over again. And one of the things, the reasons was coming up with so many different ways to do something and ideas. So I that became a habit for me, where every morning, even as an adult, I still do this. Um, in the morning when I write, part of what I do is come up with impossible things. Um, mm -hmm. And they're just, it's a way to spark creativity, but also start with hope and figuring out other things that you can do. Um, and then I would do the opposite of that in the evening. And this was, you know, sort of um, teenage years, early adulthood, where I do a gratitude list every night. And it started simple. It could have been today I ate. Yeah. That was, that was good enough. You know, I've got a bed and my sister's in the bunk bed next to me. And as I got older, the, the, you know, the gratitude just kind of changed over time. But of course. those two habits, I guess, really helped. Um, it helped me have some kind of a path where I didn't I didn't really I wasn't exposed to adults in my life that were supportive or, you know, someone to look up to. So I had to find that in other ways. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I, that's that's so cool because I so now that I, I mean, I just recently started writing. Like when I say writing, like I always have now like a little notebook where I'm journaling. And man, I really, you know, when sometimes you look back, you're like, damn, all those like times back in the days, if I just had something that like I was passionate about, like writing and all that, it just such a, I call yeah. it decongesting my brain, whatever that is, whether it's business yeah. related, whether it's personal stuff. Um, so would you say you've been basically writing kind of like your entire life and that's been part of your... Because I know you also did, uh, you also did actually do the Ship Thirty course, right? I did for a very specific reason. Um, okay, what was that reason, yeah. if I may ask you? No, yeah, absolutely. So um, at one of the companies I was running, it, it was a fairly large company. Um, it was um, called Joni. It was a healthcare marketplace, a tech company. Um, at the end of the road with that company, the insurance companies owed us about $70 million and they all started getting up on us. And we knew this could happen and was we were trying to go faster than them doing this. I'd been in the business a long time. Um, at any rate, they started to gang up on us and I had to make a really tough decision. I'd fired people in multiple jobs, but having to fire a large part of my team while we were under this immense pressure and feeling like we're running from insurance companies, you know, trying yeah. to get like, you know, how do we avoid this from them was really difficult. When I did that, I had to let go of 120 people um, out of 160. Wow. And I had to do it very swiftly. There was no real, you know, I had tried a number of things and employees can't know all these things, obviously that the board and I are doing. And anyway, we're at the end and I have to just kind of swiftly do it now. And this moment of, um, you know, having these beautiful humans that I adored turn on you so fast. Not that that's never happened to me before when I've let go of people, but in that, I guess in that magnitude, mm -hmm. um, really crippled me. I became really small and, um, you know, 
they had a right to be upset, but I think it was just so much. And I was feeling like such a failure, disappointing them. And, you know, all of the things that we were doing, like, how could I not figure out how to beat these insurance companies or whatever it is. Right. I stopped having any opinion. I didn't, I almost, I stopped writing. I stopped social media. I got, I just became very small and scared. Ooh. And, um, and I, I think the, the piece I learned through that is I can handle a lot chaos and all this when it comes to human relationships those really they really take a toll on me it yeah. and you know what i'm really glad it does right it's not terrible yeah. that's why yeah. i took shift 30 was actually i wanted a way to be able to gain my own voice back like i was like i am a writer but i'm so afraid that if i write on this i'm gonna get attacked uh... um and i did i wrote a thread that went viral and it was kind of funny. I went to bed and I was like, wow, this is great. It's going viral. And I woke up in the morning. I was like, oh, shit, this went viral on the wrong side. Oh, and shit. it probably lasted around three to four weeks. I got death threats. I mean, everything. But again, these things are kind of incredible because you get to this point. You're like, OK, it's happened. Here was the big fear. I'm still alive. Right. Um, I'm still going to write. And OK, it's uncomfortable and hard. We're going to take a deep breath, maybe cry a little bit, and then we're just going to keep plowing forward. <laughs> you know, that's all wow. you um, And so I continued, but with the help of Ship 30 was really where I, I was able to hone in on that. Wow. That really just like hit me a little bit. That's a, that's an incredible. Do you feel like after that all kind of toned down and the thread kind of like, you know, got a little bit of that, uh, you know, it was on its way down in terms of virality. Did you feel a little bit of a burden come off of your shoulders though? Like, did you feel any sort of, no, you didn't? I kept feeling like I was going to come back. So oh, it, it I see. a lot to work through. Like I constantly okay. kept feeling that I, I have a CEO coach too. And so talking with him during that time, one of the things that was really great about him was um, like, he's constantly asking me questions like to really face the fear and what happens if it happens. Right. And there it had happened. I'd already been attacked and, you know, publicly and all these things um, for a second time, because first it was with the employees and now it was just, you know, people I don't even know. Um, But part of it was also like asking myself these questions, like, is this so hard that you don't want to keep doing it? Is this is like, is this where we want to stop? Is this enough for us to stop? And it would make me angry again because I was like, no, wait, I don't even know these people. Why am I? even accepting or receiving their criticism. This is ridiculous. Um, and so part of that was really important to push through for a piece of my own and personal growth that I had not really tapped into, which was, like I said, these personal relationships that can be very mm-hmm. fragile. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. I, I'll have to go back and uh, you might need to send me that thread. I really just want to read it and I want to get kind of, uh, yeah, you know, familiar with what that looks like. I'm just really, really curious. So, sure. well, um, props, props to you for not, you know, I'm sure a lot of people would have deleted it. A lot of people would have, but you know, you stuck with it and, um, sounds like you came out on the other side a little bit more with, like you said, with a deep breath. So that I think at the end of the day is very important. And I think being affected by people is, uh, is definitely a good thing to have. Cause if you're not affected at, that's something that, uh, can really, really be a not a not a good thing down the road. So that's that's good that you have that internal internal like uh, compass, I guess, as more and more than anything. So no, that's that's uh, that's awesome. And so now, when you're, you know, I know you said uh, 
you're, you're running really lean businesses. Like, what would you say, like, let's say a business doing under hundred million, let's say, I don't know, 60, 70 million a year. What does that team look like? Is it five people? Is it 10 people? Is it how, how big do those teams get for you? I think it just, the revenue doesn't have a lot to do with it. I think it has more to do with what is the effort needed to acquire or sell and then deliver the product well. Like the other things usually don't matter as much. So, um, I mean, I like keeping teams under 20. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, even the tech company I was running, I mean, that company was at 50 million with 20 people until the board asked me to, like, they literally were like, this is, we can't fundraise like this. You have to, you have to increase this to at least 150 people. And I, we, I, we went back and forth on it. And when I finally, what I did was I actually went through my spreadsheet and just said, okay, add a zero to that many at a zero to that one, I, I, there was no rhyme or reason because none of it made sense. We didn't need them, but yeah, we had to have a perception of what it looked like to be a $50 million, you know, a year company, um, which, you know, I mean, I, again, that was a new thing for me, VC right. backed and especially being one of the outsized results companies, it's, it's a different game. You have to be willing to play it. But I think if you're not in that, and don't have that pressure or have the ability to navigate that better, I think the smaller, the better. I mean, and I yeah. think in companies, kind of like your example, I mean, that's kind of the way it goes. You're figuring stuff out. The team might grow a little. You figure it out. It slims down again. You know right. I mean? It's a nice dance around that. Yeah. And I, I to me, the, the hardest part was, uh, you know, letting some of those people go because, again, that human connection to me was like, yeah. you know, we all became really close. I mean, we're, you know, Slack now makes it like you're in the same room almost. And it's just like this whole kind of experience that you have. And then having to be like one day wake up and that person is no longer there. You're just like, oh, that kind of, it it hits me a little bit differently. So um, no, I completely get that. So what are your current like few businesses that you're running or or consulting for and things like that? I'd love to know. So I have um, Butler Health, which is a tech company that matches people with therapists. Um, using a dating app algorithm. Um, and then I've got, I'm a coach, so a CEO coaching business. I coach five CEOs a month. Okay. Um, and then I um, have another company called Alice EA, which I just started this year. And we basically have a full stack turnkey service where we um, provide trained and vetted executive assistants to badass CEOs. Um, and, um, and then the fourth business I have is I just started a school earlier this year. I partnered wow. with Maven and have a course with Maven. And I am now sort of expanding that school to help um, more founders be able to run a business without selling their soul or killing themselves because there is a way to do that. Um, and so it's called the 20-hour CEO. And it's a lot of concepts around um, not just delegating, but like mindset shifts of how mm-hmm. to remove your identity from the business, like how to really effectively grow quickly your revenue without growing the team quickly. So some of that means you have to be super organized. You have to build frameworks mm-hmm. and systems and constantly take stock and remove also your emotions, um, yeah. which is a hard thing for most founders to do. Is this your first uh, cohort that you're doing this year or did you do that already a few times with Maven? I started with Maven in February. I am. Okay. Yeah. So I'm on, I'm teaching the eighth one in January. Um, Yeah, I've done, I've done, I've really enjoyed doing partnering with them. Yeah, it's been great. 
that's amazing. I might have to, uh, I might have to jump in on that. Um, that sounds something like very much up my alley because I'm now in this place really, like I, like I said, I have this agency that's done pretty well. We did well over a million last year, kind of had to slim down. And now I'm basically building a lot of SaaS businesses. I started a product studio and all we're really doing is building, you know, micro SaaS uh, businesses across different marketplaces, you know, the Shopify's, the yeah. Chrome extensions and different things like that. So, you know, just taking taking smaller bets and really enjoying the process and waking up and being like, what do I want to do today? Like, what do I feel like focusing on today? So, uh, but I definitely need a little bit of that mindset, mindset shift because I think a lot of that, again, having that connection with the people I work with and kind of restructuring the way I work with these people, I think is extremely important because, uh, you know, I want to be able to continue working on things and not be tied to that directly in a way where I feel like if I leave for the next two weeks, things are just going to start shaking up a little bit too much. So yes, exactly. I think that's the bit that's, you know, I that's think the toughest part about a, being a founder. That is the toughest part, especially because we start off when we're starting and we do everything. And uh -huh. as you should, you're, you're working yeah. a lot, you're doing, you know, that's what you should be doing. But nobody comes over and taps you on the shoulder and is like, hey, Z. You're good. You got to yeah. step up now. Like, like you're done. Stop being in the weeds, you know? Yeah. Um, and that is, it's hard to do that when you're just in your own sort of zone, first of all. But then um, as the company grows, there's a perceived pressure that goes along with it. And then the sunk cost fallacy also like falls into place where you're just like, I, I have to work harder to make this be bigger. That's what I've been taught or that's what everyone says. So it's almost hard to trick your brain to learn that that's actually not the case. It's not the more you do, it's really what you do. So like, you know, if I'm in 10 meetings a day, I'm frankly less effective in all those 10 than if I was just in two. Exactly. I mean, just, it's so anyway, it's wild. But so my course is, I, so I'm not a course creator by any means, right? right? I'm, I'm a CEO coach. So I started out with Maven doing like the course thing. Right. And then I was like, this is bullshit. It's not me. Right. I'm not, I never want to teach 500 people at once. That does not sound like anything I would enjoy. Um, and the course started to morph into more around what I do, which, so they ended up being, there is obviously the curriculum, but it's a lot more group coaching slash mastermind together. So okay. I'm like specifically coaching the CEOs in the group. And I think CEOs join because they want a small setting. So I don't allow more than 10 people in either. So it's oh, wow. incredibly personalized as if you were getting me, you know, um, coaching with you, except you've got some peers to learn with. Yeah. Absolutely. And do, do a lot of uh, when you're usually done with those uh, cohorts or those, you know, I guess call them coaching sessions at that point. Do a lot of those people end up coming to work with you outside of that course as well? Is that usually kind of the case where they see they get a lot of value and you sort of can help them outside of what's going on? Sometimes, but I'll be honest with you, I don't usually have openings. It's usually right. people work with me for a few years. Um, and um, I was coaching eight CEOs earlier in the year, and then I decided to slim down to five. Um, so I don't typically have openings. Sometimes I do, but... Um, what I did end up doing was I let anyone who's been in the course come back to any future cohorts for free so they don't have to pay. But we've also built like a small community in Circle. This is not meant to be this like high dopamine hit community. It's right. 
you know, it's like a CEOs that are really into this that have this mindset of wanting to be a 20 hour CEO. Um, and so they're invited into that, but because I'm in there, like every month I show something new or I teach something new I'm doing or another, a new concept. Like last month I was teaching how to do a sales machine and how to create that within your business in particular for agencies. And then I'm doing an onboarding machine next month. And so there's almost more opportunity to see and hear from me and work with other CEOs that you've already worked with. Plus you get more coaching again for free. If you just join another cohort, the next one coming and it doesn't cost you anything more. So it's, it's not the exact, you know, level of high, you know, when I'm working with a CEO, I'm it's every week. It's super intense. I'm like at your disposal. It's also super expensive, you know, compared yeah. to that. So this almost gives like a nice accessibility without also me having to give up more spots. That's awesome. That's really cool. I, I love that you do that. Um, no, I definitely, I'm in one of those places where I have a, I have a, a, I have a therapist and then I have a therapist slash like a coach that I talk to. And um, I feel like there needs to be a specific just person that I can kind of have this. So that's, that's really awesome to hear that they're, you know, and how do you, um, well, I guess, what is your biggest way of getting people through that door? Um, has it been social media? Has it been what you've been kind of talking about? Or is it just more word of mouth when these new CEOs come into your, into your wheelhouse and ask for coaching? What is your, I guess your uh, uh, word of mouth marketing, I guess, in this case? For the CEO coaching or the course? Yes, yeah. uh, the CEO coaching. Uh, CEO coaching is typically VCs send me a lot of referrals, okay. uh, especially as I've worked with so many of them. Um, Techstars does, YC, like a couple of those other accelerators. Um, a lot of it is word of mouth if I've worked with a CEO or something like that. Um, and I think people just, you know, might reach out. They see something of mine on social media and Twitter. I'm quite active on Twitter. Um, yeah. I get a lot of outreach for that. Um, I'm not a fit for everyone. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, um, I'm pretty direct and I'm, um, there's no, not a lot of fluff to me. So, you know, it's like, I'm used to building these massive businesses. Things are always on fire. I didn't grow up in this like lovely house with a, you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm there usually to take on and help a CEO really grow. So there's like no fucking around. It's, you know, there's, Come to me with your messy, your ugly, your good, your bad, but I won't pretend everything's okay. It, you know, right. Come um, with thick skin. Come with thick skin. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I, yes. I love that. Uh, so what's the what's the next phase of, of uh, I guess, Christine here? Are you uh, planning on building a few more different businesses? Or are you cool with like four businesses right now? What's wh- what's your journey looking like, Christine? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. Actually, I am. Um, cool. Good to know. I like that yeah, answer. <laughs> I'm, sure. I'm liking the way things are right now. Like some of what's happened, which has been really interesting is, you know, I, I, I started to think I want to do more coaching and more writing, which I did. And as I was coaching and writing, some of these other businesses came from that where it was like, I just can't help all of these people by myself. Right. So the course was one way to do that, to get more people, you know, open to that. And then the company Alice that I started um, with actually my EA, she's my partner in it. That came from CEOs being like, I need, I need a Sheila. I need your executive assistant. How do I find one? And then she'd go and find a friend and we'd try to connect them. And then one day she was like, Chris, we need a 
start a business. This needs to be like a thing and charge for it. It's like, really? I don't, I don't know. And so she started that and then, and we've been doing that. So I think right now I'm focused on, and it's a new shift for me because I'm, yeah. I'm used to doing things in healthcare with algorithms driving it, you know, that kind of situation. And this is very much how can I help more founders change the narrative of what it means to build a successful business, like cutting out all the bullshit of what you're mm-hmm. supposed to be like and finding the kind of company that you can run because not every company is made for you to run it. You're not right. a for it, right? And waking up that you love coming to work. What does that actually look like? And how do we do that without giving up our kids, our partners, our relationships, this whole life we've built? So I really am focusing on that. So I don't know what else will come from that, but that's basically what's, you know, the direction I'm going in right now. I love that. And what's the pricing look like for uh, your your company, Alice? Like, what is it, what is the average cost for one of these EAs uh, uh, for, for, you know, badass founders, I guess? <laughs> yeah, it's 3,500 a month um, okay. for a full-time EA. Um, they're all based in the Philippines. They all have nice. law degrees, speak fluent English, write fluent English. And we trained them. So it's kind of a crazy process. They, my EA, Sheila, well, she's the COO there. Sheila will find them. They go through a training course with her. And then they train with me. So they're my EA for two weeks, which is like super intense for them because I'm not easy to work for. And they have to follow all my playbooks, my systems, the way I work. So it's a big mind adjustment. Mm -hmm. Um, If they pass that, then we place them with the CEO. Um, but one of the things that we wanted to do to make things easy was the biggest, the hardest thing for CEOs is letting go and delegating. Yeah. Like, so it doesn't matter anything else. It's that, right? So the EA is trained to help the CEO let go, which is a very different way to do this now. Um, and then the CEO gets all my playbooks on everything, sales, onboarding, recruiting, you know, whatever it is. Um, so anyway, that it's it's a it's just a monthly subscription kind of thing, service fee. We're turnkey. We pay taxes, benefits, everything. And that's amazing. Users, yeah, sounds kind of like a fun business to do. It's like you're putting Both. what works. Really, is that <laughs> yeah. the is that the one that gives you the most amount of enjoyment throughout the day? Coaching is number one, and I would right. say that like, this business is super fun. It's also fun to see these um, EAs who were, you know, they went to law school, they had big careers and for whatever reason decided like, I'm going to stay home now and have kids. I got married or whatever. Mm -hmm. So to kind of lure them back into working and have to win them by saying like, I'm going to promise you, you're going to be someone's right-hand person. And this is going to be a badass CEO. You're going to learn more than anything you've ever learned. It's going to be exciting. Like to see them also flourish and grow and have that kind of a powerful role I mean, that's, that also is very fulfilling, you know, to watch their growth um, at the same time. So it's, it's, I just love it right now. It's, it's, I'm having a really good time. <laughs> I could tell. I love it. I love it. No, that's, uh, that's really awesome. So what, uh, if I may ask you on the CEO coaching side of things, and obviously you have uh, a lot of private sessions, what are the few things that you would, what you would share with the other CEOs, anybody that might be listening here in terms of like managing their time, growing their team, anything along those lines that you feel like are just little tidbits of information that some people just need to hear in order to kind of shift their mindset or, or some, some sort of info, I guess, that would uh, 
that would benefit them. Because um, we talked about delegating and stepping away from that. I have a very hard time with that. But is there anything at the top of your mind that's like a re- kind of a repetitive things that you see almost, you know, 100% of the time with all the people that you work with? Well, actually, it'd be really interesting to hear why you have a hard time delegating. Um, I actually, so uh, I learned this in the beginning of running my agency. I think it was, so getting to a point where uh, I built a business basically seeing flaws in somebody else's business. So I was doing consulting as a project manager, saw like, hey, this is not how I would do it, which is fine. It's not my business, but I can actually kind of extrapolate that, put it into my own kind of framework. And then, you know, for me, it was the minute that I registered a business, Christine, in 2008, January, 2018, January, the next day I received a $30,000 contract for a job that I can only probably at that very moment be like, we can only get to 50% because we don't actually have a legitimate developer to get this done. We have the designer, we have everything else. But I was like, I will figure this out. I swear from that moment, it never stopped. It just kept going and going. So I never almost had time to like take a deep breath and be like, okay, I got to hire the right people. I got to, you know, get all the right people in here to do the operations. I was doing everything. I was doing sales. I was doing marketing. I was doing project mm-hmm. management. I was doing client communication, like everything you could possibly think of. And when I had that sort of control, which is, uh, uh, and now that I look at it, it's like a terrible thing, but I had that control. Things were most of the time, like 80% of the time going really well. And 20% of the time that they were going really bad, I could just blame myself. I didn't have to go after people and be like, why the fuck did this not happen? Or why did we not do this? So I think for me, why I had a hard time letting go is because from the very beginning, I was doing everything and I was able to grow the company like literally in the first year to like 400,000, then like to 700,000. So it just kept going. And I think then I was focused too much on sort of the numbers and like the clients I was doing. And then I was on those sales calls as well, right? So when a person talks to me, they're like, oh, I really want to work with you. I want to make sure you're on the project, not somebody else. And I'm like, okay, sure. Like, and I just give into that, right? Like, I'm like, yeah, sure. Because I wanted to close that deal and I wanted to work, work with that person. So to me, there's, I think, a lot of different factors. And then I think in 2000, beginning of 2020-ish, maybe 20, yeah, 20-ish, I was just kind of like, guys, I, I don't want to fucking do this anymore. Like. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just, it was one of those moments where the, the the cap came off the bottle and was just like, you know what, guys, I'm fucking done. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. So I guess my reasoning is, I don't know, maybe a little bit different, but it was just all of these things were just moving a little bit too quickly for me. Because in most cases, I think when people start a business, you know, from day one, you don't, you, you know, you don't get like a big contract. You don't start like having to hire people and, you know, all these other things. You kind of, slowly build for the most part and i think for me it was just like oh shit this is now really happening it's a little bit of a surprise i guess is the biggest yeah yeah and now what is that still the case for you for letting go now not so much because i started trusting people more okay yeah that's the one thing i had i i started building trust with people like for longest time uh uh christina i would not I would not even show people because obviously as an agency, we have the hourly or or the rate that we pay somebody versus like what we pay is like, yeah. you know, way more. And trust me, we pay top dollar for what the position that we hire, but we also have a very premium pricing model. And, you know, I was at one point afraid like, oh, if these people see what I'm billing and what I'm paying them and my being the bad person, like I had all these like mm-hmm. self, you know, yeah. issues kind of thing. And so 
I think that that and then at one point I just opened everything up. I was like, guys, here you go. Here's like literally everything. Like if you guys want to walk away now, walk away. But if you want to continue working here and having a good time, we can still have a good time type of thing. Yeah. 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 Well, what a journey. It's that's only like 10% of it. <laughs> yeah, but see, you touched on some really important things. I mean, one is one is you are not the business. And that's right. such a hard thing to remember. Right. You know, I mean, I have so many examples of that, even like with a tech company. You know, I mean, I was running Butler, the therapist one, and we were selling annual subscriptions. And basically the deal was we'll match you with your perfect clientele, the one that you really want to work with. Like we got you, right? We'll yeah. get you more people than, than you can get on your own. Um. And people were signing up for the annual subscription, paying like 2300 or whatever it was a, a year, and nobody would churn. We weren't having any churn. It was going great. And then I was time to pass over this flywheel to a sales team. So I hired two people. They were incredible. And about three months in, we were getting massive churn. And I'm like, what is happening? And I'm noticing these numbers where people are now signing up to the monthly subscription, not the yearly. So cash flow dropped really quick. Mm-hmm. And I came in to do a test, right? And then so I was like, okay, I'm going to sell again alongside with them. Because my hunch was we were so new in the industry. Therapists are super allergic to marketing, right? So I was like, we don't really have a lot of brand trust, but I had a hunch that it was they were buying because of me. And it was, you know, once I, we sold side by side, they were selling, but they were churning quicker. They were they were a little like unsure. Will you really get me a client? It's been two weeks. I haven't gotten one. They're like, whoa, hold on mm-hmm. a second. It's only been two weeks. Like, you know, we're going to get right. you a client. And so, but with me, they were like, oh, we can look her up on LinkedIn. She's built all these things. Yeah, She's been that's on the Okay. You're going to figure it out. Same with you, right? Like I want you to that's do it. it. But I'm not the business. So I had to make a choice. Do I keep selling or what do I do? Well, in looking into it a little bit further, it turned out that if you really think about what the problem is at surface level, the first thing we would react to is this is a sales problem. You know, so the, the right salesperson needs to sell. Not true. This is a brand trust problem and we're new right. in the market. And what we are lacking is brand trust and credibility. I was stepping in for that with my own personal credibility, but the brand did not have that. So the two options were one, I go back in and sell, or the second one is I figure out brand trust. So to do that, we had to change our business model. So we went from a subscription model where you get cash up front to, to remove brand trust issues, you remove the friction. So instead it was like, sign up $0 to join. You only pay when we get you somebody. And then, but now we're going to take a big cut. Now we're taking a nice meaty 20% of what, you know, every time we book you someone, but it changed the dynamic in the model. And we got people showing up in the, by the droves. I mean, it changed our growth too, but the cash flow had to suffer. So you had to think about how does, how do you prepare for that for, until this thing takes off? It's the n- next right. Bet, right? Yeah. That's a, yeah. that's a really, that's a really big, uh, it's not only a mindset shift, but I also feel like that's a very hard pill to swallow. And were you guys funded at the time or no? Um, I funded the majority of it and I did have some friends that were angels, pretty well-known angels that joined. Yeah. So you guys still, I mean, you guys still had, 
Okay. So, but you guys had enough to kind of, it got you, gave you a little bit of a bridge until people basically started paying in order to not be at like in bunch of debt until, you know, you recouped a bunch of the money. Yeah. 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 So that, that, that's a, I think that's a, that's one thing I feel like maybe that's part of it too, is I'm so big on, you know, everything that I'm doing, I'm like bootstrapping, uh, making sure that I don't, not making sure, but I just don't ever really want to do the investor route to me. I'd rather have multiple smaller things. I don't want to, you know, I start. my goal is always like I started a business to not be, you know, micromanage or somebody breathing down my neck or numbers are everything type of thing. Like I also want to have a little bit of fun with what I do. I kind of want to wake up and like I said, wake up in the morning and be like, the fuck do I want to work on today? Like what feels exciting? You know what I mean? So that's part of it too, because I feel like that gives me a little bit of that, uh, a little bit of that balance. But um, yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting thing. And I think that's what we're, a lot of our SaaS products right now, that's exactly what we're doing. And um, we're starting to see a little bit of that change and building that brand trust around, you know, uh, giving people a, a, a quote unquote, a longer free trial and giving them a lifetime discount and all these other things, just to make sure that they understand that we're here and, and we're giving so much more value on the back end with the product. So um, I think that's a, that's a really, really, uh, I don't want to say easy way to do it, of building brand trust, but it's a, definitely one of those vehicles that I think are sometimes underutilized in most cases. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. No, that's yeah. amazing. Um, anything else you want to share? I know you've been, we've been going for about 40 minutes. Uh, anything else you want to chat about writing Twitter? How's Twitter treating you, by the way? Are you I, I know you're very pretty well. active on there, but yeah, very well. That's good. <laughs> how long have you been on? Tw- how long have you been on Twitter? How long have you been like posting consec- consecutively? Probably consistently this year. Um, OK, since I. Like- ship 30 i can't remember when i did ship 30 now but i think it's been like maybe maybe got consistent this year you know and i still struggle sometimes with like the um i don't like doing things i'm forced to do you know so i'm big on having freedom and sometimes i can even on my not great days convince myself that i have to show up to twitter and it just makes me like, fuck this. I'm not doing it. And I, I, so I've got to talk myself back into like, okay, first of all, no, you don't, you get to do this. Calm down. (laughs) But, but you know, I'm a human. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Are you doing a lot of stuff on LinkedIn too? Or are you like bringing content over from Twitter to LinkedIn, vice versa? Not really doing so much on LinkedIn yet. Um, kind of sticking to Twitter. I, 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 I've got some good friends there and I like the community there. So that's been, that's been going really well so far there. Um, I probably will start moving into LinkedIn next year. Um, but you know, I think the thing for me is like figuring out like, does that have to be something I have to do? It, you know, once once we start moving to different platforms and you're doing the same writing, it you know that may be something now that someone on my team handles versus me handling because I might do the initial part of it. But how you distribute it, I don't really want to be a part of that anymore. It, you know, it's it's right. not good use of my time anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. LinkedIn, I think, uh, with everything that you're doing and obviously a lot of the experience and stuff, um, the growth on there is just astronomical at the moment. Like it's an open, I always, it's the, what people are doing now is they're taking their best Twitter content, doing the carousels on LinkedIn. You know, you take kind of the, the snapshot of like whatever your best tweets or threads are and you put them on LinkedIn and it's now it's allowing people that are somewhat in this corporate world 
to be staring at LinkedIn, but they're really getting Twitter inside of LinkedIn. <laughs> so they're like, I, I say it's a, it's, it's a way for people to, uh, to feel like they're not, you know, scheming the system by being like, oh, you're at work on Twitter. No, I'm on, at work on LinkedIn, but I'm reading Twitter <laughs> stuff on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think that'll, you'll see a lot of benefit on there for, especially if you start, you know, um, doing more of these like cohorts and courses and things like that. Um, there's a huge audience and a, and a really captivating audience too. And uh, well, I've seen a lot of people grow, you know, tenfold what they grew sure. on Twitter versus on LinkedIn. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Other than that, is there anything else you want to chat about? This has been really, really awesome to talk about everything you, you know, you're doing and what you have coming up and all that other stuff. Anything else you want to touch on before, uh, you know, um, I let you get back to your meetings? No, I don't think so. I'm really excited about helping founders. So, you know, however I can be helpful, I'm easily uh, accessible on Twitter. So happy to answer questions for any anyone in your audience on anything. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate that, Christine. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you for, uh, you know, responding to my uh, tweet and, uh, you know, coming on board and talking with me. And I really appreciate it and uh, looking to take put this probably up in the in the new year so you'll be probably one of the first episodes of a release and i'll keep you posted on all that cool sounds good awesome this is so fun thanks for having me no problem christine have a good one bye thanks you too bye well you made it to the end of the episode thank you so much for tuning into what is my brain podcast i hope you enjoyed it and i hope you got some value out of it Make sure you hit the subscribe button or the follow button to get notified when new episodes are live. I'm out. Thank you.